0: I'm going to ask that you please stand in reverence for the reading of our sermon text. Please turn to Proverbs chapter 3 and let us stand and read God's word together. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. I do hear pages rustling and that just makes a pastor warm. It really does. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we do thank you for the reading of your word. And this morning, God, we do give you praise for the wisdom that you have given us through the words of your servant Solomon here. Lord, we struggle every day with how we ought to live. Sometimes we think we're making the right choices. Sometimes we know that we're not. But for some reason, we stumble and we're searching constantly. And I pray, God, that you've given us these words. You've given us your insight. You've given us direction And Lord, I pray this morning that you would just speak to us. Let these words of yours ring true in our spirit. Let this time be a time of honor to you. We thank you, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. The Proverbs are words of wisdom to us, and I feel like for, the, for at least the month of September that it is a good place for us to be here as a church. Over the summer, we, we were focused in the book of Psalms, and we looked at several of the Psalms together, and looking at and finding Christ in the Psalms of David. And now I think it is, is prudent for us, at least for the month of September, uh, just to kind of transition into the book of Proverbs and just learn from the wisdom of the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. It seems like in the fall, there's, the fall of the year for us seems to be a time of new beginnings and transitions with school beginning and new classes starting uh, with sometimes even promotions at work seem to happen around this time of year. Uh, there's a lot of new things happening. The, the, the weather is changing. Uh, uh, hallelujah. The weather is going to begin cool, getting cooler, right? <laughs> Amen. And we always love it. This is good sleep weather this time of year, right? So it's a wonderful time of year, I think, for us for the next few weeks. Let us look at this, the Proverbs of Solomon here. As God has spoken through him, we can learn here. The Proverbs, what are Proverbs? I don't know if you've ever really pondered this, but what are Proverbs? We hear them all the time. We use Proverbs all the time. Maybe not the Proverbs of Solomon, but whenever we are trying to teach someone something that is important, a lot of times we will do so in a Proverb, right? Right? Um, a penny saved is a penny earned. Right? That's a, that's a very common proverb. Uh, another one is like mother, like daughter. Right? You've heard that before. Uh, a proverb is, are, they're, they're short little uh, colloquiums, they're short little pithy phrases that are designed and intended to stick with us and so that we will remember and learn something profound. Think about this. It, It does not necessarily require multiple volumes of philosophical writing for us to finally understand some deep thought. The words of the Proverbs are simple, and God has given us the gift of simplicity here in these words to teach us things that are deep and profound. So I want to challenge us this month, if you have never really spent many much time in the Proverbs, the Proverbs are, are really very convenient for us to study at home. You know, there's 31 pro- chapters of the book of Proverbs. You can take one chapter a day for a month and just sit there and just read through it and meditate and just soak in the wisdom in these short, very sharp words. Amen? Now, the collection of Proverbs that we have here in our canon of scripture, are clearly attributed to uh, King Solomon. You know, David's son, King Solomon. When we look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, we get, I mean, it, it, there is no doubt. It begins in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. If there is any doubt of who these Proverbs are attributed to, look right there. Right? The tradition of Solomon was that he was a very wise king, right? We know that Solomon, when he came uh, into his, his monarchy, he prayed to the Lord for wisdom. And God granted that gift to Solomon. And, he, and as, a, as a result, Solomon and, and the nation of Israel, they gained a reputation in the ancient world beyond reproach. Right? We can look in 1 Kings chapter 4. Beginning in verse 29, if you want to turn there, you can. If you just want to take notes, that's also just fine. But First Kings chapter 4, 29 through 34, really tells us that the level of Solomon's reputation. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite and Haman, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005, He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Now we know that Solomon here did not just sit around and and write out random sayings. The wisdom of Solomon was a gift of God. And I think that is what attracted the nations to him with his reputation of knowledge and wisdom. They said, this is a man that is beyond that we understand. He is a man that is beyond us. He has something that we don't have, and that was attractive for the nations to come. I would argue that in our day and age that that it is no difference. But unfortunately, in our society, in our day and age, we don't have time for the wisdom of God. We are distracted by other things. We are attracted to Netflix. How many people spend more time on Netflix than they spend in the Word of God? How much time do we spend on social media? How much time do we spend wasting time fretting and worrying and entertaining ourselves rather than soaking in the wisdom of the Lord? I think what we have here in God's Word is something that we see evidence from Solomon's time, it is something that is attractive. It is something that is alluring. And if we really meditate on these words of Solomon, I think our lives will be much improved. Let me ask you this. What what do we see here in God's Word? What do we see here in the Proverbs? These verses that we read in Proverbs chapter 3 speak of a father to a son, most likely Solomon to his son, trying to guide him and direct him in his path. I don't know about you, but there's, there, there's something about the wisdom of a father that sticks with you, right? There's the wisdom of a parent. I don't know about you, but uh, you know, when I was trying to raise our two boys, uh, there was a thing that with Logan when he was younger, uh, he, al- he always had sticky fingers, right? Right? I'm talking about sticky fingers from jelly. He just... And children are naturally curious. They're wanting to touch things. They're wanting to experience things. They're wanting to grab things, right? And I saw early on in Logan that if I didn't get a a grasp of that, he was going to break things every chance we got. Everywhere we'd go, we'd break something or he'd take something. I'd I'd get in the car and, hey, Daddy, look what I found in it. It didn't belong to him. You know, that kind of stuff. And so, I don't know... this didn't take long for me to design, but there became a common phrase between me and Logan, and Logan to this day abhors it whenever I begin to say it. because He doesn't do this now, but it's a common reminder of his childhood. I'd say, Logan, um, if it doesn't belong to us, and he would know the response, don't touch it. It was one of these common little, short little phrases between father and son. That he understood when I said, don't touch it. He understood he doesn't touch it. But I I caused that saying, if you notice the beginning of that saying, it was, I I would ask him a question and allow him to answer. I would say, Logan, if it doesn't belong to us, don't touch it. He would know the response. I allowed him to think through the answer. And this is what God in his fatherly wisdom to us does for us through the Proverbs. He gives us short little statements, perhaps prodding our intellect so that we then respond to God with, okay, I know the answer to your question. Short little things. If, if not, parents, if you're frustrated with children, the wisdom of Proverbs are a great example. And parents, we're going to do this, whether you think you are or not. You're going to do it with your kids. You're going to find short little ways to get their attention, to teach them something without bossing them around and lecturing them. You want them to think on their own. And God is the same with us. God, even though He has given this, given us the treasure of His Word, He is not making us repeat things back to Him verbatim. He wants us to soak it in and let His Word become part of who we are. He wants to change us from the inside out. So God, in his wisdom, has designed through Solomon these wonderful short sayings of Proverbs that, design, that are designed to teach us things that we think on our own. You understand? That's how a proverb works. One of the things I think that is very important in this chapter of Proverbs 3 is that God, through Solomon, as Solomon is trying to teach his son, he's trying to teach his son the importance of covenant. You know, For several weeks uh, in the summertime, in the, in the Psalms, we saw this, this, this theme of covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between two or more parties. And what Solomon the father is trying to teach his son through chapter 3 here and these different proverbial sayings, is that there is a commitment between us and the Lord that God himself has initiated. God has initiated a covenant with his people, and then we have a response in the covenant back to him. The question here that I think must be answered in Proverbs chapter 3 is, can you be a blessed covenant keeper? Is it possible for us to keep the covenant of God? And I think the wisdom of Solomon here is, yes, you can. But at the same time, no, you can't. It's a, bo- it's a double-edged sword. It's, have you ever tried to follow God's Word? Have you ever tried to follow the, the laws of God? Have, it's, it, is it easy or is it hard? Oh, it's, diff- it's the most difficult thing that anyone can try to do is to try to be a good, holy, righteous person before the Lord. That's why I think a lot of people just reject God's word. They reject all things godly because they feel like it's impossible to match up to God's expectations. But I think the wisdom of of Solomon here in chapter 3 gives us a little grounding on how this is possible, how it is doable. You see, through faith, in the regenerate gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, the faith that we have in Christ is what allows... God to change us, to make us new, and to allow us to then be able to follow God's Word. Amen? I don't know about you, but it's impossible for a child to obey a parent apart from the parent teaching the child how to obey themselves. You cannot force someone to obey. They must be wanting to willingly obey. And I think that's the word that we get from Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord makes possible the obedience to the covenant that God has initiated to his people. Look here in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. That's that's very profound. Solomon talking to his son, if you do not forget my teaching, if you actually follow what I'm instructing you, your life will go well. Amen? Verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. What is verse 3 telling us here? Do not let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Another transla- the New American Standard Translation says uh, uses the language of kindness and truth. Right? Do not let kindness and truth forsake you. What is this steadfast love? What is this faithfulness that we're talking about here? Take a Look, if you will, flip over to Lamentations chapter 3 if you're able. If not, just take down some notes. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 24, helps us understand what this steadfast love is and what this faithfulness is. Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 19. The prophet Jeremiah says this, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The steadfast love of God is something that is dependable. The steadfast love of God is something that is trustworthy because God never fails. And if we think and meditate and ponder on what God has done, we will be humbled in the fact that God is always faithful to us. And what Jeremiah the prophet is reminding us in his lament is that when our souls are continually in turmoil, has anyone in this room ever been in that situation where your soul is in constant upheaval? The medicine for that is to call to mind the steadfast love of God and His faithfulness to us. The truth that God exhibits is that God Himself is true. And whenever our souls are in torment, we are forgetting that steadiness of truth. We are forgetting God's steadfast love for us. Because God is the faithful rewarder for those who meditate on His love and whose souls are changed and made new in Christ. You see where we're going here? You see, this steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. What does it mean to have steadfast love, to be faithful? It means to be fixed in place, to be unwavering, to be consistent, to be reliable, to be enduring. How many of us, when we find ourselves in an upheaval of life, right? Can we just say, life happens, Monday morning comes, (laughs) the kids are not cooperating, the boss is, he he just has too many expectations. And we don't know how we're going to get through the day, much less the week. (laughs) I think what we see here in the Proverbs of Solomon is let not the steadfast love and faithfulness of God forsake you. And we are to bind this truth. We are to bind God's love and bind God's faithfulness. We are to bind God's kindness and bind God's truth around our neck so that it goes with us wherever we go. How many of us have a piece of jewelry or an item that we keep as an as a memory, a, a, a namesake, something that, we, that causes us to remember a kindness or a fondness of our lives. Y'all have some things like that? Yeah, I, I think we all do. I mean, I've got some things in my, in my home that belong to some very important people in my life, family members or those who have had an impact on my life. I, rem, I, I, I would have a book that someone has given me and whenever I read that book, I remember the kindness of the person who gave it to me. Right? Or, or we, we may have little trinkets that we keep as a as a keepsake, and why do we do that? Because it brings memory to something that is fond, that is very nice, that reminds us of some, of a better day when things were, were lovely. You remember, you know, you know the the the, the proverbial saying of hindsight is twenty twenty. I think on some levels, we can, that's a dangerous thing, but at some levels, I think it's also very helpful, is that when you look back on the days of old, yeah, there were some troubled times, but you know what? There were some also some good times. And I think even in Scripture, if we look at God's Word, and we say you know what? God has shown us through the history of humanity, of God's interaction with mankind in God's Word, He shows us time and time again how faithful He is and how wonderful His Word is. Amen? Now, this idea of binding this steadfast love and faithfulness around our neck is something that we can understand when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Again, you don't have to flip there if you don't want to. If you just want to take notes, please do so. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Binding something around the neck and writing God's word on the tablet of our heart uh, is reflective of the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and then Jeremiah's prophecy in chapter 31. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Sound familiar? It's a rep- Solomon's Proverbs is really just repeating this theme of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 3 of Deuteronomy chapter 6 continues, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. So as long as we are learning the ways of the Lord, as long as we are faithfully adhering to, and faithfully learning and understanding God's word and God's ways, Things go well. It is when we avoid that, that the Scriptures tell us it will not. Look here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. This idea in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 8 and 9 remind us of what Solomon is saying to us in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 3 about binding God's commands and his words around our neck and writing them on the tablet of our hearts. The Old Testament Mosaic law is reminding and actually commanding that the children of Israel and God's people should bind God's word as a sign around their hand, like wrapping it around their hand and then placing it between their eyes. Now, symbolically, this means that you, when you apply God's word to your hand, all that you put your hand to, all that you do, would bring glory to the Lord because you are doing it in honor of Him. When you place it between your eyes, it's as if it's the first thing that... You ever try to do this? Try to put something. Try to put your hand between your eyes. It's, it's kind of a distraction, and you got you got to look around at the things beyond you, right? And so it it's the first thing that directs your path. It is on your mind. It is how you think. Now we know in ancient Israel, the tradition for um, for the Pharisees and and the priests were they would physically do this. They would they would wrap God's scripture in. Uh, in leather strips like they would have they would wrap it around their arm and around their wrist and they would have a little box here of god's word right here on their hand and they would do the same thing they would have a headband with a little box right here between their eyes with a little scroll of scripture right here they took it literally when we look at deuteronomy chapter six and verse nine as well you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates To this day, it's very common that when you go into a a Jewish household, they will have a scroll of Scripture at the doorpost on the doorframe as you come in and out of the house. Rhonda and I have that on our house. We have a small, and and someone gave it to me from Israel. They had gone to Israel and they brought it back to me. It's a small little uh, silver uh, uh, tube that is designed to be nailed to your doorpost. And I actually printed off some scripture that is dear to me and Rhonda and I rolled it up and it's sitting right there as you come into our house. So God here expects His Word. He expects His ways to be very much a part of who we are. If that means literally Taking some type of jewelry and putting it around your neck and carrying God's Word with you. I mean, we do it. How many people have a little cross on a necklace right now? Some of us in this room probably do that, right? Why do we do it? It's because we want to take reminders with us of God's love for us through His Son Jesus Christ and the salvation possible to us. That's why we carry these little symbols with us. I encourage you, whether you literally carry God's Word around your arm and around your neck, The point is this, at the end of chapter 3, verse 3 of Proverbs, and even in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the intent here is that you would also write this Word of God on the tablet of your heart. But more importantly, you will write God's steadfast love, and you will write His faithfulness on the tablet of your heart. Take God's kindness, and take God's truth, Take His steadfast love with you. Take His faithfulness to you. God has initiated a covenant with us. And if we take His love and His faithfulness and write it on our heart, we then become faithful. We then become committed in love as God is. We become as kind as God is. The idea here is the chesed, which is God's steadfast love, it is a common theme in the Old Testament, which is God's faithful presence with us. There is absolutely no way for us to keep God's word and his commands unless it becomes a part of who we are. It must change our heart. We must write this love and this faithfulness on the tablet of our heart. And this helps us understand that God's ways of love and God's faithfulness can become a part of who we are. It can become a part of our being. It can be a part of our soul. And here's my question for us all. Does this faith in Christ that you claim actually change your soul? Or does this faith in Christ that we claim just something that we, we mouth? that we have some kind of a facade that people should see. You see, even in the Old Testament, God expected His love and His faithfulness to change us from the inside out, to change our very essence, to change our very being. If the faith in Christ that we proclaim is not that deep, if the faith in Christ that we proclaim is not making our very soul loving as God is loving and making our soul as faithful as God is faithful to us, then we are just giving lip service to a very important covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. We see, even here in the Proverbs, even in Deuteronomy chapter 6, even in 1 Kings, even in Lamentations, we see God is telling us, even back then, I do not want lip service from you. I want you to be my people. And in order to be my people, you have to be like me. And so I will dwell in you, and I will change your very essence. I will change your very being at the core. Amen? That is what God is expecting. And so, you know, here in in Cookville, Tennessee, we have more churches here than you can shake a stick at. Okay? We've got a lot of churches that are struggling. We have several churches that are thriving. I'm not going to stand here and criticize churches, but I will argue that many churches, not just here in this area, but in the United States at this point, are just giving lip service to the Lord. Many individual Christians are doing the same. And we see the result is that, the, the, that the, the, the Christian dominance in our culture has definitely slid away. We are no longer a Christian nation. We love ourselves more than we love the Lord. My argument here and my plea for us all is that let us listen to the wisdom of Solomon to his son. Let not the steadfast love and faithfulness of God forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and of man. It's important for us to, from time to time, ponder our situation before the Lord. What is our status in the relationship? Are we being loyal and faithful to the Lord or are we just giving lip service? I think the words of wisdom here are very profound in that light. Now when we look in verse 5 and 6, we see even further, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Verse 7 continues the same idea in verse 5. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Verse 8, It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones, you notice what the wisdom is being talked about here. Anyway, when we notice here in, in this wonderful proverb, right? We notice that there's a contrast here. We, we, there's a contrast between trying to do things your own way and doing things God's way trying to maintain control over our lives and our thoughts versus allowing God to change us so that He is in control of our lives and our thoughts. There's a stark contrast here, isn't there? In verse 5 we see, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the first part of the proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart your heart. In other words, trust in the Lord with all that you are, your very being, your very essence, your soul. The second part of verse 5 is what is very profound. And do not lean on your own understanding. That echoes in verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. I don't know about you, but I find it exhausting. I find it wearisome to try to make it my way. Amen? No matter how much I try, nobody's going to listen to me. They ignore me. It exhausts me. Right? No matter how much I want things to go a certain way that I'm dreaming, it never goes the way that I imagined and it just lets me down and then I'm exhausted after the effort. I don't know about you, but I think the words of Solomon here are, are so profound that if, if, if the world who is living with stress and anxiety would just look at this, I think stress and anxiety would disappear. Why are we anxious? It's because things aren't going the way we want them to go. <laughs> Why are we worried? It's because it's not the way we imagined or, try, or were trying to build it. And I think the words of Solomon here are very profound. Do not lean on your own understanding. Be not wise in your own eyes. Instead, trust in the Lord with your heart. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You see the point here? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Fear the Lord your God. And your days will be long. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you remember, it told us when you write these words on your heart, and God's loving presence, His chased, will be genuine within us rather than us struggling and trying to do things our way. You see, when we're trying to be in control, right, when we lean on our own understanding, when we are wise in our own eyes, what is the result according to the scriptures here? The result really is evil. What is the source of evil? The source of evil is pure, unadulterated rejection of the Lord and elevating the self in the place of God's place. That's the, that's the source of sin. That's the source of rebellion. That's the source of evil. And whenever we are trying to do things our way and rejecting God's way, what we are saying is, God, I am more important than you. And that right there is the very core of evil. And that's really what, the so, or what Solomon here in the Proverbs is trying to teach us. Rather than leaning on yourself, rather than trying to be wise in your own thinking, lean on the Lord. Because what is the result of leaning on our own thinking? What is the result of trying to do things our way? Uh, turmoil. <laughs> right? Instead, change the very essence of who you are and acknowledge The Lord your God, in all that He is. Verse 6 of Proverbs 3, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. It doesn't mean, well, just once a week on Sunday and maybe on Wednesday night, acknowledge God and everything will go well. No. In all your ways. If God is not at the very core of who you are, if His love and His faithfulness have not transformed your very being into His likeness, into the image of Christ, then you have not in all your ways acknowledged Him. And if we have not in all of our ways acknowledged Christ, then our paths will be very crooked and rough. But if we acknowledge Him in all of our ways, in the very fiber of one's being, in one's very essence... We are either autonomous beings trying to rule ourselves or we are the same as God's love and faithfulness. There is no in-between. So who are you this morning? Imagine who you are in the middle. Just examine your very being, your very essence. Are you an autonomous, independent human who runs your own life? Or are you someone who surrenders to the will of the Lord and God's love and faithfulness has transformed you into Him, His likeness, His being. If our very essence, our very being, our very soul is more Godlike and more Christlike as God's love and faithfulness is, then our paths will be straight. But how does this happen? We see here's the problem with the Proverbs. Many people think, well, if I do, then this will happen. That's not what the Proverbs are saying, does it? Because think about what I just said. Let's listen to the language I just said. I said, if I do, then this. Even in that language, I am more important than God. Instead, the Proverbs tell us to trust in the Lord. And then the Lord will do. The only requirement for us, and it's a very difficult requirement, and it's a, very, it's a very exhausting requirement, is that we give up our ways and we trust the Lord and let God's ways be our ways. That's enough. <laughs> that, that, that's hard enough. That's why the blood of Christ was necessary. That's why the blood of Christ is the only way that this can even occur. Amen? Amen? So in summary, being wise in our own eyes actually equals evil and turning away from and acknowledging God's love and faithfulness. When we are trying to run our own lives and do things our way and then God becomes second place or even last place, really what we have now come to is we have now initiated evil. Instead, if we were to embrace and acknowledge the love of God that He he freely gives us through His Word and through His Son and through His Holy Spirit, then and only then do we recognize the evil that we are embracing. You see, God leads us to a straight path. All of His love and His faithfulness leads us to a straight path. And in verse 8 of Proverbs 3, verse 8, we'll close with this when we are no longer wise in our own eyes and we fear the Lord and we turn away from evil, verse 8, it will be a healing to your flesh and a refreshment to your bones. I really like the King James here on verse 8. It will be a healing to your navel, your belly button. That's really what the original Hebrew says. It will be a healing to your belly button. and a refreshment to your bones. You see, if, if I don't know where you are in connection with the Lord at this time in your life. I don't know what your, your weekly routine is. I don't know what is overwhelming you, but we all have it. <laughs> we all have something that, that dwells on us and gnaws on us and, and, and causes us turmoil. But I think the wisdom of Solomon here is very profound If we are in that situation of life, and this is not just a life coach lesson, okay? I don't want us to take this away as, well, if I just apply this to my life, then everything is great. What God is teaching us here is, instead of trying to run your life, let me be part of who you are. Let me... over your very essence, your very soul. Let me change you into the image of Christ that I want you to be. That's what we're doing. Amen? If your body is weary, if your bones are tired, it's because you've been struggling too much and trying to run your own life. I think the word of the Lord is very clear. Allow God to transform you. Let the blood let the blood of Christ and His love and His affection for us in dying on the cross change you. Amen. That's what we're calling for. Amen.